Welcome to Covenant Church's sermon discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the communication director at Covenant, and the preaching pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I'm here with Rob Iman. Hi, um, Michelle. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and Rob preached on Sunday uh, from Philippians 1, um, verses 9 through 11, on growing in maturity in Christ. And I loved your illustration, that video of the water flowing into that bucket and I watched it again this today because I was writing the e-news and I realized like the bucket was full and then the water came in and it was over, then it started overflowing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool the way that works. So um, it was just a really, I just love that image. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful image. And I mean, I, I, <laughs> I was enthralled by, by, you know, the water coming in and, and then the, at the end of the video, which we didn't show, the water stopped and you could see the bubbles still happening and the water still sloshing over from all the, you know, I thought, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how many times, you know, we, we as Christians use yesterday's wind to try mm. to sail, you know, we, that, that the Holy Spirit is no longer pouring into us because we've, we've shifted, we've altered, we've changed in some way, we've grieved him, we've quenched him in some way. And, and yet we still feel the bubbly, we still feel the presence and we think everything's fine, but it's not. It just was just an interesting thought that has nothing to do oh, with what is. we're talking about today. That is interesting. <laughs> um, well, before we, well, we've kind of gotten started already, but I do want to encourage anyone who is joining us and um, on Facebook Live or even on our blog um, or on our podcast, if you would go to our blog, if you're on the podcast and make a comment um, yes. we will see that and we can re, you know we will, we can respond to that comment and then if you're on Facebook live please do comment please ask questions please interact with what we're discussing um, it just enriches um, our conversation so much and we're yes. so glad that you're here um so Rob I was struck by one of the first things you said which was this prayer in of Paul's how it focused so completely on the spiritual health of the congregation versus the physical health of the congregation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that, that was a <laughs> with with every sermon I, I end up uh, I, I whenever I write a sermon I, I have a, a folder on the side called extras and there's a two paragraphs of extras on that whole topic right there <laughs> that just didn't make it in because we don't have you know got ten pounds of potatoes for a five pound sack and it's just not going to fit. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that that was something that struck me as well. That um, you know, when I pray, I find that my prayer list, when I look at it, is just loaded with needs that are physical. It might be financial needs, it might be um, some kind of health needs, it might be relational needs, but it's all related to the physical realm of living in this world. And when I read Paul's prayers, uh, I don't see that as much. He's talking about the spiritual. I'm sure he prayed for Epaphroditus when Epaphroditus was almost dead. I know that Jesus said, uh, give us this day our daily bread. So there's a, it's fine to pray for physical needs. But I see Paul putting a higher prior, priority on the spiritual side of things. Mm -hmm. 
and I think, um, yeah, I, and I wonder how much we can um, include just as a practical step, right? Like it just made me think when I am praying for the physical needs of my loved ones or the physical needs of our congregation, how can I, can I incorporate the spiritual aspect of that? Of, of their lives and how can I pray for their spirituality, their, their growth in Christ um, as they're experiencing these physical difficulties, um, whether it be financial, health, relational, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And, and two things that have helped me in that, um, one has been to simply take some of Paul's prayers and apply them to people, because mm -hmm. if you do that enough, it begins to change how you view prayer, at least how I view prayer. So, you know, Lord, I pray for Anne that her love might abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Um, uh, I pray for, you know, and, and as I'm praying for somebody's physical needs, asking the Lord to help them grow in love that abound more and more, or any of the prayers that you find in the scriptures. The other thing I found very helpful is, um, is to simply pause a moment as I have that list in front of me and I'm about to pray for a person's financial need or whatever the case might be. And to simply say, Lord, what do you want for this person? Hmm. Jesus, you are interceding for this individual right now. What is it that you're praying for? And how can I align my prayers with you? And it's interesting how thoughts pop into the head that hmm. may be a little bit different. I mean, uh, in this, you know, in, in the sermon, I talk about um, uh, it, that our love might abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And that knowledge, of course, at Bikonosco, uh, hmm. that knowledge is a a revealed knowledge that is given to us, not a earthly knowledge that is developed in us. And so uh, how do we take what God has revealed and apply it in this world? So what the world would say is, man, once you get rid of that problem, once the bill is paid, once the car is fixed, once the illness is healed, then everything's going to be okay. But a spiritual wisdom mm -hmm. says, there's something else going on here that's more important because if our uh, if what we see is temporary and what we unsee is eternal, then these, these moments of trial that we have, as Paul says, are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Hello, what is that? Mm -hmm. So how do we pray in a way that uh, acknowledges that there's a bigger picture going on than just the reduction of physical suffering? Mm -hmm. or trial? Yeah. yeah, man, it's, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. Oh, it does. It does. I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, anyway, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be quiet here if it looks. Yeah, this stuff, this just, uh, just uh, excites me because I realize that where, we're, where we are, I'm looking out my window right now, and what I see is only a dimmest reflection of what will be. Mm -hmm. And what will be is what's eternal. So I want to align myself with what will be because mm -hmm. it's coming and it's already here. It's just, it's just growing and developing. And you know, how can I acknowledge it and live more fully into it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I think when we do it, um, it goes to verse 11, where you talked about the give, you know, where glory goes to God. Yes. So we're filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Mm. And um, I loved how you said that it's glory. We, we glorify God both inside the community as we experience these fruits of righteousness yes. and we glorify God outside the church um, as 
people witness these fruits of righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. I believe that is the way that God designed it to be. That's what Jesus intended John 17 when he prayed for our unity. I mean, it's fascinating, but when you look at uh, something I'll call the great commission cycle, you know, it starts with, um, with evangelists go back to Matthew 28, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how do we make disciples? Well, it begins with a personal piety, right? It begins with a recognition that God has changed my life. But that personal piety, that personal transformation is then joined with thousands of others as a corporate piety, a corporate change of life. So individually, we're showing a change. And then as we come together with one another, there's a corporate change we're showing. That unity is the thing that, as Jesus said in John 17, that the world might know. May they be one, Father, so that the world might know that you love me and have sent me. Mm -hmm. Once the world knows that, then that adds to the people who come into faith. So, so there's this marvelous thing that's going on that, that, that the Lord intends for his church mm -hmm. to display his unity, his righteousness, his character, both as on an individual basis as on a corporate basis, because that is part of his plan to get the kingdom of God throughout the world. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I loved what you said um, later. You asked the question of what's my experience with God's love? Mm. And, um, you know, and it's so easy. I agree. It's so easy to talk about God's love. But then have I experienced it? How have I experienced it? You know, when I was younger, one of the things that I heard someone say is, you know, every day I try to document the God sightings. Yeah. You know, where have I, where did I see God today? And then, and, and if we're not looking, then we can't experience it. We mm -hmm. can't experience God's love, right? Oh, yeah. We're not looking for evidence of his love. Right. And if, if we're not looking for it, we're distracted from it. And so right. if we're distracted from it, we are busy. It's kind of like uh, uh, the funny story. I, I was, there was a season in my life where I was really big into photography. It was a great hobby. And, and I was trying to take a macro shot of some lichen. I was up on a mountain in New Hampshire, trying to take this macro shot of this lichen. And I was so focused on the beauty of this minuscule flowering thing that I missed a, um, a glider, this massive gliding uh, plane, a gliding plane that flew over it like within 20 feet. And Anna's gasping. With, <gasps> and I'm like down here like this. And it's just like this, this. I think we all get distracted sometimes. We get so caught up in whatever's going on around us, news stories or the needs of the day, that we miss the most amazing picture of God's love gliding right past us because we're focused on trying to take a picture of this beautiful piece of lichen, you know? Um, anyway, so yeah, we just, we get distracted and we don't see it. Yeah. 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 Or we just chalk it up to coincidence. Oh yeah. Or isn't that fortuitous? And it's like, <laughs> hmm, is it really? <laughs> is no. it really just coincidence? Um, yeah. And then you talked about how transformation leads to. This is what these are in my notes. <laughs> yeah, go for transformation it. leads to incremental growth. Yes. Is that what? Is that right? Because yeah. I, I almost feels like it should be opposite, right? Incremental growth leads to transformation. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think it goes both ways, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. um, uh, that there are moments when the transformation is remarkable, and we've all seen it. 
Um, I have not seen it as much as I would like to see it. And I ask the Lord about it somewhat regularly. You know, the New Testament side of things where there's all kinds of transformation taking place. Um, but transformation, um, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, transformation is bringing that incremental growth. The incremental growth is bringing the trans uh, transformation. And uh, in Philippians 2, um, that, uh, that we work out our salvation because God is the one doing his work to will and to work for his good pleasure. So there's this marvelous partnership that is, that is um, important for us to realize that he is the one doing his work but we're joining him in that work. And so the transformation is a um, uh, is incremental in most cases. It's kind of like, I was talking to a friend the other day who um, I was just encouraging him by sharing, hey, this is something I see in your life. He says, I don't see that. Hmm. And I said, well, it's kind of like kids, right? When I was a child, a little boy growing up, I didn't think I was growing at all. And then all of a sudden, one day I realized I could see into my top dresser drawer, which was, I, oh, look at this, you know, <laughs> I can look down into it. I'm growing. Yeah. You know, I had been growing the whole time. But when I was, you know, when I couldn't look in, I needed a stool. It felt like I was never growing. But then I suddenly awakened. There was something that happened. There was a trigger point where I said, oh, I am growing. Yeah. And I think that like us as followers of Christ, much of our growth is incremental, like our physical growth as a child. And until we reach those marking marker points that wake us up to go, oh, I am growing, we feel like nothing's happening, but it is. Hmm. And it's so, and, and what a gift it is to have someone speaking into our life to say, I see it. Yeah. This is what I see. Mm -hmm. um, because we are so close <laughs> we're so close to it. We're like, oh, but I know what my, my instinct is. I know where my thoughts first go, even if I don't speak the words, you know, kind of, kind of situation. Yeah. And we are really close to it. And I think you're right. I mean, uh, we get to see just how deep the sin actually goes. And mm -hmm. so it's hard for us to recognize the changes that are taking place because the depth doesn't seem to change any. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And um, so you gave us three ways or starting points or a sustaining process. practices, sustaining practices, yes. Thank practices you. that I sustain the growth that Christ is doing in us. Yes. I didn't get that part written down. I just have one, <laughs> two, and three. And I was like, what are these exactly? <laughs> <laughs> What's Simon saying? What is that? I know. And I thought you sent me a script of your mess, a transcript of your message. And I thought I could look for that, but I don't remember what I don't, what I didn't get written down. I don't even know. <laughs> so if I, I start that, talking about it. I, I don't know if I use that phrase or not, Michelle. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> you know. there are three, three, three things we can do. What do we do about this? How do we grow? Well, you're three things we can do. well you know, one of the things is just simply begin where you are, which I, I mean, how freeing is that? Like I, part is, so it, so I guess there's two sides to that coin, right? There's freedom in start where you are. And then there's also the frustration of, oh, or the need to be honest mm -hmm. about where I am. Yes. Uh -huh. Right. And yeah. so it's easy to be, I think it says in the Psalm somewhere, right? Like it's, I, I deceive myself. Psalm 19. Yeah. Who can discern his hidden faults? Uh, uh, rescue me from my willful sins. Yeah. 
There are hidden faults that we can't see. We don't even know we're doing them. And there's willful sins that rule over us that we can't, we have no power over. And God is the one who's got to help us out with both of those. Yeah. Right. And so we have to be willing to ask God's help to, to invite him into those, both those hidden faults and those willful sins. Exactly. You're, you're just leading. It's Psalm 139. That's what you're talking about right now. It's amazing. <laughs> Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me. It's not so that God might know it, but it's so that he might lead me in the way everlasting. Show me what I can't see so that I can align with the work you're already wanting to do and bring about the work you want to have it in me. I, wow, that was really well done, Michelle. I love the way you just led right into that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I, you know, it, and that lead, you know, that, that, the path everlasting, it's like eventually will be an amazing experience, right? Because mm -hmm. the path everlasting really is a description of heaven in, mm -hmm. in my mind, right? Because here on earth, the path everlasting is painful and it's hard to find sometimes. Mm -hmm right? Because we yeah. get distracted, as we were talking about earlier, we get distracted by this issue in the culture, by, by, you know, raising our kids, by relationship with our spouse, by uh, issues at work. We get so distracted when God is saying, I'm using all of that to help lead you on the path everlasting. And it is painful and it is hard. And, you know, kind of going back to what David was saying about the conflict, like it, it in order to grow there has to be there has to be pain mm -hmm. and that's that's hard to accept sometimes yeah yeah and yet you know i think he called them the friction virtues uh, mm. that uh, you you guys talked about last week iron sharpens iron and the sparks that come from that and um you know it takes heat to mold there's all kinds of great illustrations in that but how do I learn patience unless I have to get stuck in a long line somewhere? Mm -hmm. um, how do I practice love unless I have to be faced with somebody who's unlovable um, mm -hmm. or who's acting in ways that don't warrant my love? Mm -hmm. um, that's how I learn to do these things. And yeah, it's, it's, it's the friction virtues and, and to, for us to, to stick it out together. I mean, we talked, I talked about that on Sunday that, that the, uh, that we practice being Christ to each other and we don't do it well. And I was serious about practicing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, hey, I think, I don't sense that we've got something happening here where, where we're honoring Christ. There's some, something going on, a motivation or a action that is less than what you would like to see. Can we work it out together? And can we seek a better result? And I talked about marriage in that as well, because marriage is a community of faith. Um, if the husband and wife are followers of Christ, and and they both have to be on the same path of saying, yeah, I want to grow like Jesus. And, you know, I'm Anne's best catalyst for that. And she's my best catalyst for that. As our kids are exceptional catalysts for us to growth, because it's it's in the the trial of the moment, mm -hmm. the text messages that come in, the interruptions of life that say, golly, my battery's dead, dad, can you come and help me out? But I'm in a meeting. So what do I do? You know? <laughs> Not that that's ever happened. <laughs> it's never happened. Oh, no, no, no. 
or the text message that comes in and says the car died in the middle of the intersection. What do I do? <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll come. I'll come. No. Hey, let's work this out together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. What, what's the default? That's that's a key thing for me, Michelle. Is, mm. You know, I mean, one of the markers for spiritual growth is we, we want to get to the place where we imitate Christ, right? The Apostle Paul says, "Imitate me while I imitate Christ, as I imitate Christ." Uh, that we are to become like Christ. We are the body of Christ. Christian is little Christs. I mean, there's, we, we are to live like him. And, and mm -hmm. we can imitate or we can impersonate. Um, uh, an impersonator is one who studies what someone else is like, their mannerisms, their voice, you know, this is what Obama does, this is who Trump is, this kind of thing. And then they can play the part when the spotlight comes on. But the moment the spotlight is off, that person goes back to being who he or she actually is. To imitate, is to is to have that be the default that's just mm. what you do you know so so ann will say to me oh that's just like your dad and i'll say no that's that's me i'm doing that no no that's just like your dad he walks just like that no no that's the way i walk no that's what you, you see i'm just imitating my father without mm. even realizing it because it's so much a part of me it is who i am Mm -hmm. that's the part of Christ that that's, that's what God is working to bring us out that we have the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ, the, the affection of Christ, the desire of Christ in us that we become like our creator. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's, that's the goal toward it. So it's always like, so what's my default drive? You know, when, when the, when the, uh, when the pressure is off, where does my mind go? Mm -hmm. When the need is no longer there, what mm -hmm. do I seek to do? Uh, when the offense comes right in my face, what's my first shot? What's my first thought? Do I come back with another lobbed hand grenade or do I respond with compassion and grace? Um, mm -hmm. These are great uh, metrics for me, at least, to say how well am I doing in becoming like Christ? Because I want to imitate him so it's a natural thing from me and I don't want to impersonate him, which is something I learn and then I do only when I have to do it. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I love that illustration of the impersonator, the spotlight. Yeah. And then the spotlight's gone. And then you just go back to your normal default. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, the other thing about imitation, like with you imitating your dad in the way you walk, how do you, you do that unconsciously? You don't even know because you've spent so much time with your dad. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so in order for us to be imitators of Christ, we need to spend time, a lot of time with Jesus, with um, with our community, with our church, with but but with Jesus in his word. And. Um, you know, and so that's. Um, yeah, that's like convicting me right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and 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 yet the response. So let's let's go back. It it starts with love, though, right? Because it's mm -hmm. love, truth, choice, and power. And so if we start with truth, saying I've got to do this, and it's a willful mm -hmm. choice of obedience for us to do that, that's okay. But it, it really should be a willing response of surrender to the love that we've experienced. True. So if we yeah, begin yeah. with love in that, um, so that my time in God's Word is a re is a response to His love. And that's one, one of the things I talked about, you know, one was begin where you are, but the second one was, it had to do with um, sitting before the Lord and engaging with him. Mm -hmm. you know, we've been doing this two-year Bible reading journey, which we're almost wrapped up on. And uh, the point there has always been, 
we slow down reading through the Bible, make it a two-year run instead of a one-year run, because two years, uh, our goal is not to get through the word, but to let the word get through to us. So we want to take the time to slow our reading process down. And so that's why I encourage Lexio 365 on, mm. uh, on Sunday, mm -hmm. um, because it gives us a chance to slow down with just a small section of scripture and let the Lord speak to us as we speak to him about his word. And it's fascinating what happens when you slow your day down and you give that back to the Lord and you begin to see again and again and again his love for you, his connection with you. You begin to experience his presence because he is fully here right now. Do we recognize it? But when you take the time to remove the distractions and to see his presence and to hear his love for you, to recognize his words and promises to you, that begins to change so that the love we experience gets on the front end of that and we begin going to the truth so, you know, hearing them, the knowledge that has been revealed, our attitude, our motivation for that becomes a little bit different. It's more of a response than a willful act of obedience on our part. And that is what makes Christianity different mm. from all the other world religions. Because yeah. every, everyone else says you've got to be good enough. You've got to be, you've got to do all these things to earn favor. Mm -hmm. And and Jesus says, no, I love you right where you are. And now come with me and I'm going to love you more. And in the midst of that love, I'm going to grow you into becoming more like me. There you go. It's uh, Christianity is the only religion where the um, assessment, the, um, oh, oh, the, the, the assessment is given before the performance is given, you know, mm -hmm. where the the people are talking about how good the play was even before the actors went on the stage. Um, you know, Jesus right. is saying, you're perfect. It's fantastic. Way to go. You did it. Uh, and it's like, I haven't tried anything yet. And that's he okay. Says, he says, begin where you are. Begin where you are. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I think that's where we're going to end. Perfect. In where you are. And look for ways to regularly experience God's sustaining love in yeah. his word and in his world. There you go. Yeah, look it, for those God sightings. Said. It's out to look for the God sightings because they are there all the time. Yes. So, all right, Michelle, thanks so much for hosting this again. What a pleasure to be with you. Great, it's great to, to see you again, thing. Rob. I know I, I can always talk about the Bible and Jesus. <laughs> and let's just go for it. <laughs> I love it. All right. I know. The trick is to try to keep it short. <laughs> I don't do a good job of that. <laughs> didn't do a very good job of that today. <laughs> no, I know. We just kept going. So thank you for hanging in with us and um, yes. have, have a great rest of your day. Take care, everybody. Bye. See you, Rob. See you, Michelle.